Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 231 of Dogcast Radio, which, like all our other episodes, is full of doggy goodness. You can find all our podcasts at dogcastradio.com, along with a host of other resources. Later on, we'll be hearing from Kate Lever about her book, Good Dog. I basically wanted to, over the course of 60,000 odd words, make the case for why dogs are so extraordinary and why our friendship with dogs is just the most special cross-species friendship on the planet. And we'll be hearing about her gorgeous dog Bertie and how he helps her cope with depression. There's the Dogcast Radio News. On average, people spend more time researching where and which pair of shoes to buy than they do when they get a puppy. And before all that, we're going to learn about dog body language from Lily Chin. Lily has written, or more accurately written and drawn, a fantastic book called Doggy Language, a dog lover's guide to understanding your best friend. This is a subject close to my heart, and I think understanding your dog leads you to living in greater harmony with them and to your dog being happier. What more could you want? I'm talking to Lily Chin today. Hi, Lily. Hi, Julie. Thank How are you? you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for being here. Good, good. And it's lunchtime for you and it's dinner time for me here. So we're both meal times, aren't yes. we? <laughs> <laughs> we're both missing a meal for this. <laughs> well, we, we work from home. So, you know, as you we were saying, it really doesn't matter what time it is. <laughs> no, no, this is it. Sleep when you like, eat when you like, walk the dog when you like. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, great. And your book is so charming. It's lovely. It's beautiful. So Doggy Language by Lily Chin. And it's Thank gorgeous. You. Thank you for, for writing it. So take me back to the beginning. Take me back to Boogie um, and who is your, your who was your dog. Tell me about Boogie because he, he is the, the one who started you on this path, isn't he? So um, I adopted Boogie from Boston Buddies Rescue. Um, he's a Boston Terrier. They rescue Boston Terriers. And this was back in around 2007. He was about three years old and he was this perfect, gorgeous, adorable dog. Yeah. And we, this dog is amazing. There's nothing wrong with him um, because my previous dog, my foster dog, had uh cancer and she had lots of medical issues so boogie came to us as a perfect dog and then one day he bit somebody um who happened to be my building manager in my rental apartment yeah and put a hole in her leg and um I wasn't there when it happened but but that just launched this incredible devastating drama of what do we do this has never happened we didn't expect this this to happen and so I hired a dog trainer who so at the time just to go back to 2007 I didn't know very much about dog behavior I was this new dog owner and everything I knew came from television which at the time was the dog whisperer show so um I'm thinking okay I need to hire a dog trainer and I the first person I googled and I also didn't know anything about how to hire a dog trainer (laughs) yep this person in that he wear a prong collar. I should correct him every time he looked at another person or another dog. Um, there were uh, we went to this boot camp and there were a whole series of things I had to do, which were all fairly mean. And I had to be dominant. I had to be the boss and show him who was in charge and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, he got worse. Oh. He became, um, which is 
fairly normal. If yeah. He, he became even more terrified of people. He got more aggressive. He was sort of depressed. And and in my trying to resolve this, like, I mean, I spoke to the dog trainer and they they were set in their ways and how they wanted me to train him. And I was really uncomfortable with that because I, you know, I could see that he was not happy. So I started educating myself. I was reading books. I was going on the internet and I discovered Karen Pryor's Reaching the Animal Mind. Yeah. Um, I wrote into a column on dogster.com asking, I don't understand how this prong collar is going to make my dog like people. And Grisha Stewart, who is a famous dog trainer and author, she responded, she was replying to, you know, questions, behavior questions on this column at the time. And she wrote back to me and she said, we'll get rid of that prong collar and look into something called CAT, um, which was constructional aggression treatment. Yeah. But which she then developed into BAT, behavior adjustment treatment. It was about um, behavior adjustment training, sorry. And um, and it, it was about uh, a completely different humane, positive reinforcement-based system. Yeah. Of, Yay. You know, <laughs> And so, you know, I was learning all these new things and I, I was also watching Emily Lalam's videos, uh, Kiko Pop on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I connected with all these progressive modern dog trainers online and so I switched trainers. I got a new trainer, Sarah Owings, and one of the first things she did was give me all these dog body language books to read and I would send her videos and say, look, look, isn't he how look look at my this video of my dog me training my dog isn't he doing great and she's and she sarah would say he doesn't look very happy did you notice that lip lick did you notice that um his ears did you notice blah 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 and all the she kind of listed all these things that i did not notice (laughs) and uh and then i started watching videos of myself training boogie and i started noticing the yawns the lip licks the head turns all these tiny behaviors that I mean, I watched these videos a hundred times and I never saw these signals. And um, I, I, one of the books that I was given to read was also Turit Rugas's On Talking in Terms of Dogs, Calming Signals. So it was, it blew my mind that why wasn't this stuff on TV? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is nobody talking about this? I know. Um, so it, this I, was like, yeah. The wrong so people make like, the decisions about what's on television. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a, how is it that we don't know how to notice when our dogs are scared or uncomfortable or stressed? Um, we are, we're only taught to notice when our dogs are sitting, when they're told to sit or, yeah. you know, lying down or rolling over, but not how they feel. So this was mind-blowing to me and life-changing. And one of the things I did at the time was, you know, looked at books by Brenda Eloff and, um, and I came up with this poster called Doggy Language starring Boogie the Boston Terrier, which has been around the internet. It's also offered for free on my website. And this went viral on the internet. And um, so it was a combination of things. So this poster, I was doing a lot of drawings of my training sessions and on Boogie's blog. He had yeah. a blog. But, um, and Grisha Stewart saw my illustrations for Bat and she hired me to illustrate her book. And then Dr. Sophia Yin, who a uh, veterinary behaviorist, also hired me to illustrate stress signal charts and body language charts. And over and this kind of launched a whole new career path for me. Yeah. People um, hired me to illustrate dog body language things um, for shelters, for rescues. 
um, to teach people to recognize stress signals to prevent dog bites. Um, Because as we know, uh, dogs don't bite over the blue. They do tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the saddest things, isn't it? Because when, how many times do you hear, do you know, he bit and it was out of the blue. And, And every time you think... It really wasn't out of the blue. He was trying to tell you, you know, the likelihood is 99 times out of 100, he was trying to tell you and trying to tell you and you didn't listen. And then, you know, he had nowhere left to hide. It's like, you know, I was thinking we, we had um, a dog that would freeze and and he yeah. was he was very difficult. He found he had difficulty with other dogs. He was reactive and he would freeze when another dog came around. And initially I thought, oh, look, he's holding still. He's being good. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah a behaviorist said to me, no, 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 he's, he's frozen. He can't, he can't cope. He, that's a signal to you to say, okay, take your dog away. And I, w- I suddenly thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm very, very frightened of bees and wasps. So a bee or wasp comes by me and I can, I can go, oh, and I can hold still. I can say to my husband, take it away, make it go away. And I've got, you know, he's got a certain amount of time while I can hold still and he can make it go away. And then I'm going to freak the flip out, you know, and I'm going to really go mad. <laughs> and, <that's, laughs> and suddenly I thought, oh my goodness, this is what my dog is doing. He's freezing. And, and then I turn to step in and, you know, take it away. And that's when you suddenly understand what they're saying, that's mind blowing, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and also like, um, it's also like learning to see these things yeah. to see. I mean, like once you see them, you can't unsee them. Mm. And and that was kind of the point of this book because, um, so I was contacted by Summersdale publishers who actually saw my doggy language poster and they said, would you be interested in turning this into a book? Wow. And, you know, I hadn't authored a book before and I was all nervous and unconfident in myself. And I'm thinking, well, I've kind of done lots of these posters. Do I really need to do a book? And, uh, <laughs> and as it turned out that, um, I mean, they persisted and I'm so glad they did. <laughs> they yes. got back to, we really like you do this book. And how about doing it with lots of different dogs um, instead of just boogie? Draw as many different breeds of dogs as you can. And I thought, well, that's really exciting because... Yeah. Um, Boogie doesn't have a tail <laughs> for a start. Um, you know, he, he looks a certain way and not all dogs, dogs look like that. So it was like a really exciting idea to to present dog body language using different dog breeds, different types of ears and tails and body shapes. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and at the same time, like I was seeing a lot of stuff on the internet, like memes and photos where people completely misinterpreted dog body language. And yeah. and that was another incentive for me to do this as well, to thinking, well, yeah, um, this this knowledge needs to be out there. It needs to be out there in the mainstream. Yeah. And even though it's so well known in dog training, dog behavior circles, um, it's almost like we take this for not, this knowledge for granted in, in, I don't know, in certain communities. But the mainstream is still, yes. you know, yeah. there's not enough there no absolutely but it ruins you know the some some of the viral videos that of dogs around particularly children and you know the child sitting on the dog and ha 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 isn't this sweet isn't this cute and you go oh my goodness that dog as you say is doing eye flicks licking its lips it's not it's not happy or the other one that really drives me mad is when people come home they go look he's he's guilty and they're going who did whatever and the dog you know he's doing that and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is a dog that you're pushing and pushing and pushing. And like I say, he's going to snap. Um, you know, that that self-control is going to go. They've only got so far, just like I've only got so far with that bee or wasp or whatever it is. Um, and you just hate that because it's a, t- it's, a, it's a time bomb, isn't it? It's a ticking time bomb at that point. Yeah, yeah. But it ruins but- them for you. <laughs> 
and, and that's kind of why I, I sort of like had this section in the book as well where I, I wanted to show similar looking behaviors that are not actually the same. Like, you yes. know, a dog will their back, um, you know, people think the dog is submitting to them, but no, the dog is not submitting. The dog is, you know, depending on the context and what the whole body looks like, are they relaxed, are they loose and wiggly, or are they stiff and frozen? It's a completely different meaning. It's a completely different emotion. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, Do you know, we, we were yeah. talking about this. I was talking about this with my daughter, with Jenny before. And, like, I can, you could say I, I've raised my arm. Well, I could raise my arm to threaten you, or I could raise my arm to fend off your attack or I could raise my arm and make a rude gesture you know there's so many yeah. ways it's all raising my arm at very different emotions though yeah and that's why context is so important that's why looking yeah. at the whole body and looking at the situation is so important this is great video on um by a neuroscientist and it was the same thing with human emotions you can smile when you're happy you can smile when you're sad you can smile when you're angry yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean you're happy <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely and these little signals that they do and they are some of them are quite subtle some of them aren't but you know I, I was saying to, to this to you before we started that with Buddy with my black Labrador years ago he what happened with him was he got onto a seat in the car and I said come on get down get down into the footwell and he turned his head and I thought he's pretending that he can't you know he, he's just pretending he can't see me and I, I told the behavior of this behavior is this. And she said, no, you're stressing him. And I was like, and that was just such a wake up call. Like I was st- this dog that I adored and yeah. I was stressing him. And then at that point I was like, right, I have to learn his language as much as I yeah. can. Cause I can't stress this dog. I adore, you know, I can't be a source of stress for him. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, that was exactly how I felt when I realized yeah. that it was doing these things that was stressing my dog out. Uh, and then which, then helped me change what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, I, I hope why, that is why I hope people would be interested in learning about dog body language to change their own behavior. Yeah, yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. 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 And I mean, when, when you think about it, so, so many dogs have been adopted or bought during lockdown. And I imagine some on a whim. Um, but the the truth is that at the moment there are there are a lot of dogs out there in new homes or fairly new homes where there perhaps hasn't been a dog before with an owner who isn't able to read their body language and that's quite that's that's a bit worrying isn't it yeah well i mean i'm i'm hoping that there are enough resources now right yes. where they can and find out um as long as they get it from the the right sources and not from yes, yes. <laughs> We know where we don't want them to get it from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want them to get it from your book and and not. Yes, not it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But it's, I, it's very timely at the moment to, to have a book that explains to people and explains to them in a very accessible way. That's a, that's a lovely thing about your book. It's very accessible. You're not sitting reading pages and pages and pages of of, of uh, prose. It's very, it's very visual. It's very here and now accessible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, I love Brenda Olof's book. I love Barbara Handelman's book and Tori Ruga's book. And they've got photos and there's, some, there's videos as well that you can watch. But there's a they're like big, chunky books. They're heavy. There's yeah. a lot of reading. And I, you know, and I loved that Summersdale asked me to do a gift book and they specified that it's a gift book. It, yeah. I need to use, like, I mean, originally I was supposed to just use 100 words or less per page. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
God, this is a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. Um, communicate as much as possible with as few words as possible. But as it turned out, um, I did add more words because they were needed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, my editor, um, they're really lovely, my editors. I mean, they looked at it and said, I think you do need to add more words and describe what you've just drawn, you know, to make it much clearer. So, yeah, um, yeah but I'm, I'm really happy with how, how it turned out, that it's cute and it's a gift book and it's easy. And I love getting the reviews from people who tell me it's really easy to understand because that's the whole point yes yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely it is it's a it's a brilliant book and I've been looking all this afternoon and go wow 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 and it's just great and one of the one of the things that sort of we're very bad at, as humans we like to hug so we want mm. to hug that dog and yeah some dogs some dogs like that I had a Labrador that was very at ease with you know having his your arms around him and he beat fine with it other dogs you meet and they're they're sort of not they're like oh I'm not happy I mean, your book is really great for explaining that difference and, and telling, is my dog enjoying this hug as much as I am or, or not? Yeah. I mean, how how can people tell easily? Because it, it is, a, we communicate very differently, obviously, humans and dogs. How can people, what tips can you give them? How can people tell whether their dog is enjoying that hug or not? Okay, so well, this isn't, I can't take credit for this, but there is a great video online by Eileen Anderson called Does My Dog Really Want to Be Petted? Um, it's on YouTube. I think it's yeah. called Does Your Dog Really Want to Be Petted? And it's like a consent test. Um, you know, you pet your dog for like three seconds and then you stop and you see if they come back for more. Yeah. <laughs> if they come back more, they show you signs that they're approaching you, they want more. Um by body language, then you know that they like it. If they turn their head, if they sort of lean back, if they lick their lips or whatever, sure, uh, and don't come back for more, then they weren't really into it. Yes. So, that, um, uh, so I love that video. Uh, I, I think that's one way to know, it, to, to try it, and, you know, pet your dog, hug, you know, say hi, touch your dog for count to like three and see if they come back for more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that again, that um, to me, when I, the first time I heard that, did, did the dog want, well, did the dog give consent? Did the dog want to be touched? That again yeah. was, and that was in the last two or three years, I think, because I'd, I until then I'd sort of thought, because I had a Labrador that sort of would, if you stopped stroking him, he would knock your hand and sort of be, oh, yeah. very definite, I want to be stroked. And I just thought, yeah. that's, you know, all dogs were like that. They They would they'd all love being straight. I mean, this, the first time actually somebody said to me, just because they've got up on the sofa with you, they may not want to be stroked because the dogs we'd had. Yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness. That, that That's not necessarily consent to be, to be fussed. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And, and, and that again is a real changing point when you actually think, okay, does the dog want to be touched? That's, you know, another huge step. Yeah. yeah because we just assume that we can go and grab any dog and touch any dog and, like even stare at them. Like I mean, that yeah. this was a thing that people used to do with Boogie. They because he had one blue eye, so that yeah. was interesting. So people would lean in and stare at him and say, "Oh my God, look, you have a blue eye!" Mm. Like right in his face, and he would freeze. Yeah, and panic. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, bless him. Yeah. So I, I, I even had to start telling strangers, "Look, don't stare at him. Just step back a little yeah. bit, please." You know. Yeah. Soften your gaze, turn your head a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you see, yeah. I, I'm very bad for, I, I do respect dog space and I do, you know, I, yeah. I did know the dogs 
dogs have the right to say no sort of thing and but I'd meet dogs when I was out and about and I'd sort of I always ask and I always say oh can I say hello to the dog and usually the dog's like yeah I want to say hello just occasionally yeah. when you when you meet somebody whose dog is clearly saying I don't want to meet this person and then pulling the dog forward and, you, and I always say yeah. no 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 it's fine if they don't want to meet me that's absolutely fine it's almost embarrassing I always think for the owner that they're like no my dog will meet you hang on they're pulling them forward but yeah it's it's that kind of thing isn't it read read the dog you know I did I did yeah. know that not every stranger's dog was going to want to meet me but I, you know I always thought well my own dogs if they jump up they obviously want to be fussed so that was the difference but that's so important isn't it if you meet a dog the owner may want the dog to meet you the dog might not want to meet you yeah, exactly. And, and I, most people who don't know how to read their dogs will will say, he's fi- he's friendly, he's friendly. Oh, yeah, you can meet him. Um, and I used to be like that too. I used to like force my dog to meet people and he was clearly not into it. Yeah. But, you know, but uh, I mean, that's where knowing the difference. Yes. When, when you can see how they feel, then you know how yeah. to say and hopefully oh, yeah. people advocate for their dogs and say no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the important point, because, you know, both you and I didn't understand our dogs, didn't read our dogs, didn't have that knowledge, became aware of it and then thought, right, OK, I have to know more about this. And and that's that's life. But that's just certainly dog ownership, isn't it? That you it's a journey. Yeah. And um, now that I have cats, I'm also having to learn about their body language and I yeah. am clueless about that <laughs> so I think whatever species you live with it really helps to know yeah you know definitely, definitely. yeah yeah I would be interested with the cats because I have a theory that maybe they want us to be confused I can't read cats very well at all <laughs> I think maybe and we have three cats we have three cats and as a very um then I won't say docile but they're very um no, they're not even placid that's the wrong word but they they seem to be very tolerant of us is you know yeah. they, they're very calm and patient with us um, but we've always been very calm and patient with them but I can't read other cats <laughs> um but it, I do think some cats want us want to catch us on the hoof and want to keep us sort of on our toes and I think they change their their body language and it's fairly random I, I suspect <laughs> so I'd be very well, interested well with dogs when they look at us they sit and look at us it's quite clear that they want something right yeah. They want food, they want attention, they want you to play with them. Um, when a cat sits and looks at you, they don't want anything. They, they're they just looking at you. <laughs> That's really strange. <laughs> so what do you want? I'm, I'm talking about what you want. And they're just looking. <laughs> yeah. I think they're thinking, well, I wouldn't have put that top with those trousers. I don't know what you've done that for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they're very different species, and yet, you know, we we, we have dog dogs. Well, we have a dog at the moment, and we have cats, and you know, they get on so well, and and that's I find that difficult. Obviously, my dogs can understand my cats better than I can. <laughs> oh, but there you go. Um, there's really, really fascinating information in the book. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the behaviors that. Um, our dog does she's very small and so when she comes in she's up when we come in she's often sort of up our legs like that and sort of I just thought oh she just is getting up because she has to you know to get attention but that that greeting stretch that you describe and, and draw in the book is is beautiful that's so familiar and I think other people will look at different behaviors and go that's my dog that's so um authentic yeah. it's lovely and that's I mean that was boogie I mean that's my dog <laughs> and he used to do that with me and with certain people so it was very, so he was very selective and who he does that with. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah. It's an honour, isn't it, when that happens? Yeah. 
yeah definitely I can remember years ago learning what a play bear was as well I mean that's that's quite an you don't realize dogs have these invitations to play do you but uh, so so here's the really fascinating thing about a play bow is that um again like like with everything there's there's context like I mean I was just watching a webinar like a few weeks ago about um shelter dog play like dog interactions and sometimes a bow is is almost like an apology it's almost like oops sorry that was a joke yeah or, or you know it's kind of like um I, i'm not serious i'm just i'm just goofing around um so yeah and, and i mean the thing that boogie used to do here was um he used to play bow to me and then i'll say what do you want boogie assuming he wanted to play and then he would run to the kitchen and stand next to the treat jar <laughs> so yes. it, it was like a way it was like a really cute way to get my attention. So, um, so even if it wasn't about playing, it was like I know what I know how I can get your attention. Yes. I know what I want. I yeah. look cute. <laughs> yes, play bow. You can chase me to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless! Another thing, my daughter was saying to this to me earlier. The thing about tongues and the tiny differences in tongues and tongue shape on a dog yeah that's that's fascinating isn't it yeah so so that was something that was new to me too like I mean I didn't know I mean they call the spatula tongue yes when when stressed mouth when the dog is panting and like um when when the dog is stressed panting and, and this is what a dog trainer um told me um their tongues are not they're not like floppy and relaxed. They're kind yeah. of lifted and, and sort of like raised slightly from the bottom of their mouth. So you can tell that they're stressed or they're yeah. hot, or, you know. So, yeah, it, it's fascinating. There, there are these little things that, you know, tiny differences. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I, I love about the book is you you sort of do an interp- interpretation of what the dog might be feeling. Yes. Which is fascinating and vital. I love that. But... You know, when you sometimes come in and the dog, when you say that appeasing grin, and yeah. it might be accompanied by sort of a lowering of, of the head or anything like that. And you come mm-hmm. in, you, and when, you, when you think you've done something, haven't you? What have you done? What have you done? Now, so many people think that's guilt. Yeah. You know, that's not what that isn't going on in, in the dog's head, is it? Guilt. Well, I mean, I think like the, there's been scientific research and studies about this that it's not true that it's not guilt they yes. um yeah they're expecting to be punished or they think you're going to be mad and yeah. it's like please don't be mad mm. uh, don't hurt me don't get angry yeah bless <laughs> guilt that's completely different yeah and that's why i hate the response when the response is what have you done and they push you know when they're off in that appeasement grin yeah. and then and, you know, again, to go back to those viral videos, it's what have you done? Who did this? Who did this? Who did this? You know, and you think, no, leave them alone. They're not asking to be harassed here. Yeah. Or, or, the, or the ones that really get to me, are, you know, when the, the dog is frozen and people think the dog is relaxed or, yeah. oh, look at him. He's so relaxed and mm-hmm. calm. And he's actually like shut down and scared and feeling like powerless. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, sad, horrible. When you think how much our dogs watch us, and how much our dogs learn about us, and not only do they learn our words, you know, yeah. they learn our little signals and 
Yeah. For example, <laughs> our dogs have all learned that when I make cup of a cup of coffee, you know, I'll stir it and drop the spoon in the sink. That's the last thing. Right, we're off. You know, <laughs> and that kind of thing. We owe it to our dogs to watch them and and learn mm-hmm. to understand what we're seeing, don't we? Yes, and um, Boogie was extremely observant. Like he could mm. read face for what I was going to do next. Um, <laughs> like I would look at him, and he would knew I was going to give him a bath. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so and you start running. <laughs> but, um, yeah. so they they are watching us all the time, and I yeah I, I think we owe it to them to learn their language. I mean they're trying to learn our language, and they're learning to read us. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a two way relationship. It's a two way communication. Definitely. Definitely. You saying that when I taught Buddy speak. He learned yeah. speak, but he was he was a very respectful dog. And so I'd say speak and he'd sort of go, Woof. and I'd go. <laughs> and I, I realized I was raising my eyebrows and sort of waiting as if like louder. So he would do it louder and then I'd give him the treat. And I actually taught him without meaning to. I taught mm-hmm. him to do speak by raising my eyebrows and that he would speak. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that, but, you know, that is so I have a similar experience. <laughs> So Boogie turned deaf when he was 10 years old. He became deaf, like he lost his hearing completely. And I was kind of, uh, I was worried that all these verbal cues, like all these things that I would say would no longer, that he would no longer understand me. But as it turned out, he did because I moved my hands and my face a certain (laughs) way when I said those things. So he still understood me. Like I would say, go to your bed or and I'll just point to his bed or I'll make a signal like we're all done here and he'd move away. And so I wasn't aware that, that I was using my hands every time I said something, but he, he observed and he, yeah. 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 <laughs> he didn't, he didn't miss a beat. He, he knew <laughs> what I was saying, even when he was deaf. Yeah. Yeah. It always yeah. makes me laugh when people say, you know, when you're trying to call the dog back, and they won't come mm. and you're doing that. Come here, everything's fine. And your body must be screaming to the dog. Your human is really, yeah. really angry right now. <laughs> you can't fool a dog, can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear, bless them. Okay, it's been really, really interesting. And I think the, the book is fantastic. And I'm so glad that, um, that you've written it and you had all these, these fun with Boogie. And good luck with the cats. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to say? Um, well, buy the book. <laughs> buy the book, tell everyone about it. <laughs> oh, there is some exciting news. So um it's going to be translated to a few different languages in the next yeah. couple next year or so. Um so far it's it's going to be in German, Dutch, Finnish, Chinese, Spanish, and one other language which I don't remember. But but yeah, about five or six new languages. So that's really excellent. Yay. Brilliant. And that's that's really exciting. All those dogs. And those dogs are really clever because they they speak a foreign language. <laughs> those dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that that's really great. So having said buy the book, where can people find out more about the book and you online? Okay, so I have a website specifically for the book it's doggylanguagebook.com d-o-g-g-i-e languagebook.com and my web and that website will give you links of where you can buy it in the UK and the US and a few different other countries Um, it's also available wholesale for you know if you are 
a dog organization or a dog training business or some, you know, any business, retail business. Um, and there is an email address on there as well that you can contact to buy wholesale, uh, which is half price. Um, my own website is doggydrawings.net, D-O-G-G-I-E, drawings.net. And from there you can find links to like other work I've done, like my infographics, free posters that I offer for download, um, my shop where I sell prints and cards and pins and various things. And so, yeah, and I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at L-I-L-I-T-A underscore Y-A-Y-A. And the book also has an Instagram, which you'll find a link to on the book website, which is at Doggy Language Book. We have all those links on the Dogcast Radio site. And Jenny's here with me because, Jen, you, you fell in love with this book, didn't you? I loved it so much. It's it's I really loved it because it showed kind of the common behaviors that your dogs yeah. do but the kind of subtleties so you know a wagging tail or a tail up we kind of think that's a happy dog but then her like the way she illustrated it showed for example missy's tail is is curled up on her back yeah um so sometimes you can't really read it and she's good and you know she kind of showed the behaviors of different breeds of dogs different mm. sizes of dogs and the different meanings of the same behavior and ways to spot how you know the way one behavior can be seen in so many different ways and and a tongue i didn't know a dog's tongue could show so many things and now i just keep going to be like show me your tongue show me your tongue what's your tongue doing what's your tongue doing (laughs) 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 but no it is a great book because i think that's part of the magic that you'll look at some bits and you'll be going oh that's our dog that's our dog our dog does that and then other bits you go well i never knew that it's such a an eye-opener in yeah it's amazing it's amazing and so many things like I can see more clearly like Missy I I I like to think I could read her quite well like kind of by instinct I guess but Mm. then having read her book I kind of go okay so her tongue is like this or her ears like this so it does show so I am I am right I'm not (laughs) anthropomorphizing but no so I mean it's it's a great book you could sit down and read it or you could just dip into it and go what does this mean you know it's kind of I think it's the, the kind of book everyone who has a dog needs or everyone who interacts with dogs needs because there are so many behaviors that can be misread or like different breeds can display yeah. differently and it's the kind of book where you just anyone who's got a dog you're like i'm buying you this book this is your book. <laughs> <laughs> this is the book for you yeah it's the book your dog would want you to have yes yeah. definitely that's such a good good description it's like a phrase book isn't it yeah like, this is what i'm saying look <laughs> duolingo for dogs yeah <laughs> well for people learning yeah. dog <laughs> yeah i know what you mean but yeah because the dogs are pretty good at reading us yeah but we need to improve on our reading them don't we reminds me of that the boy who uh, wanted to teach his dog t- his dog tricks so his dad said there's loads of videos on youtube go look so and he came back and the kid was showing the dog the video he's <laughs> like this is what you need to do now <laughs> oh if only <laughs> Similar to children, dogs enjoy playing hide-and-seek. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News. I'm going to start with the story that Beefa, I think that's how you say it, B-E-F-A, Beefa, the Springer Spaniel, is the 1,500th puppy rescued by Dogs Trust Puppy Pilot Scheme. 
which has been set up specifically to rescue illegally important, illegally imported pups and rehabilitate and rehome them. Now, I think it's really, really sad that we need a scheme to devoted, rescue, yeah, yeah, to to help these dogs and one thousand five hundred of them in five years. It's just why why is this still going on? You know, in twenty twenty one, why is this going on? I mean, why we've been going for fifteen years, sixteen years this this year, and in all that time, obviously, we've been plugging away at the right messages, and countless others have been plugging away at the right messages with much louder voices than us, and yet the public, the general public, still aren't taking all that on board. And I just, I guess. As soon as one person is ripped, I'm sorry, but ripped off and heartbroken, the next person's stepping up with their money ready. And I just think it's so sad that we haven't yet fully got the message across of how to buy dogs, where to buy dogs, and even where and how to rescue dogs. Yeah. Because you and I have had conversations with people and sort of said, do be careful because not all rescues are equal. You know, There's no laws about what you need to be a rescue you can just get a dog and say I'm a rescue now yeah. you know it's it's really worrying and my lecturer <laughs> loves the fact she tells us all the time that people on average people spend more time researching where and which pair of shoes to oh. buy than they do when they get a puppy yeah so people don't research as much no. as you would expect and it's so easy to do the wrong thing you know to do the wrong rescue because yeah some some people are very good at pretending to be rescues you know Mm. and you think you're doing the right thing you're rescuing you're you know helping save a dog that needs a home and you could it could be a puppy farm in disguise it could be anything in disguise and it's it is very difficult, but there are ways that you can... Yes, you, know, you can protect yourself. Yeah. You? But you have to do the research. You yeah. have to find the things out and go armed with the right mm. um, knowledge. And there are simple things, you know, things like if they want to talk money straight away, mm. if they don't want you to go and see the, you know, the, the bitch, the, the mommy dog, if you will, with the, with the puppies, why? And if you're told that the, the bitch died... I'm not saying that never ever happens, obviously, then ask to talk to the vet because there will be a vet involved. If the dog really, really died, that's horrendous. That's very, very sad. But you need to go and talk to the vet then and say, well, tell me what happened here. I think if you are planning on getting a dog, I think you have to accept that it is going to take a long time and a lot of work. And if you're not prepared to put that time and work into getting the dog, you're probably not prepared to put the time and work into having a dog yeah you know it's not gonna be a quick and easy it's not like buying a pair of shoes it's not like just going out and buying something it's getting another family member yeah you know you you need to put the time and the effort in and there are so many you know you could you could have pages of checklists of things that you need to do but they're really important and no one's trying to stop you getting a dog Mm -hmm. no one's trying Mm -hmm. to ruin your fun and go no no you can't you know because i think sometimes when you you kind of, you see a puppy and you go, but like, you know, if I buy this puppy, I'll rescue this yeah, puppy. Yeah. And it can feel like, oh, everyone else just doesn't want me to do this. It's, mm. They're just ruining it, you know. You know, these, all the these truth, things are yeah. for the good of you and your dog, you yeah. know, your future dog. It's, it's, yeah. 
it's the way to stop heartbreak on a lot of from a lot of different yes. people. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I would say our golden rule is, isn't it? If if they've got puppies and we don't really know them yet, we're not going. Yes. Because if there's puppies there and you walk in, oh my goodness, who's walking out without a puppy, to be yeah. honest? So, um, or the promise of a puppy. So if they've got puppies and we don't know them yet, we don't go, do we? So, yeah. you know, whether that's breeder, rescue, anything, yeah. then I'm not going to walk into a room of puppies and be tempted, you know, and, and I'm just yeah. not going there. And it's really difficult. Like when I, um, I've been researching cats, mm. um, and I've been looking for, um, breeders that, are, you know, that similar to how we do with dogs. And I was, um, this was pre pandemic and I was yeah. thinking about phoning around breeders, but I was going to say, if you have kittens, can, can I be in a different room from the kittens, please? <laughs> yes, Cause I'm not yes. ready. I haven't prepared. I haven't got all the things ready, but if I see a kitten, I won't resist. So you, yeah. I think you need to set your own boundaries and kind of go, I know how amazing it is to like fall in love at first sight mm. with a puppy and, that's very important to a lot of us to bond straight away with our puppy. But like, if you think that there is a danger of that, don't look at puppies yeah. until you know you're ready, until you know the breeder is or rescue is the right one. Yes, definitely. And then you can... <laughs> yeah, talk to them about yeah. a specific, you know, dog or puppy or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big decision. The dog that you're walking with is much more important than the trainers you've got on your feet or, or whatever footwear you... You wear, I think, is the takeaway there. So, and saying that, take us away from this story. <laughs> See what it did there. Woo! <laughs> uh, keeping on the theme of puppies, mm-hmm. in Lycoming County, I I do not know how to say American no. places. I think that's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, we've asked we've asked Alexa, haven't we? Yes. That's how she says it. But. Um. So I apologise in advance <laughs> if that's not how you say it. But a puppy mill operator has been banned from owning or caring for dogs. For five years. I was about to cheer then. I was already going, yay! Five years. Five years does not seem like enough time. They've had a fine of $8,700 to the SPCA. I think that's mm. like the RSPCA bit in America. Yeah. And he had 12 dogs, uh, one of which was a pregnant um, dachshund. And they they were not safe. He wasn't looking after them. Mm. He wasn't providing for them. So he's they've... He's had them taken away. But part of my problem with that is that, okay, yes, for a fine. But how much money would you get for yeah. dachshund puppies or cross puppies or any kind of puppies from a puppy mill? You'd probably be getting a lot of money oh, for yeah. this. Yeah. So a fine of $8,700, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that would be enough to deter a puppy farm from carrying oh, yeah. on after the yeah. five years. Or saying to a friend... You set it up. I'll, you know, it'll yeah. all be under your name, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. five years is not that long. Five yeah. years from now, they could have another puppy farm. Yeah. It just, yeah. it, it feels like, yes, we've accepted that they're wrong now and there are, you know, laws and that kind of thing about them, but there's not enough and no. there's not enough things to stop people from setting up yeah. and carrying on once they've been caught. And, you know, yeah, I, I think it's a difficult area. It's, I've tried to sort of sit down and do a flow chart of is this a puppy male or not or is this, you know, is this a, a reputable breeder or not. It's really, really difficult and, and it does come down to there's a number of things that should ring alarm bells. There's a number of things that are indicators of being a good breeder. But it's very difficult to actually categorically say what they are. It's objective as well. No, it's subjective. Subjective. It's subjective. So we'll all have different opinions on it. And it's really, really difficult to legislate on it really but 
just because something's difficult doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. And I, I do think, yeah, we're, we're at the point where something needs to happen yeah. around the world, not just, you know... in Because in... I completely agree with people who say, you know, adopt, don't sharpen. Yeah. If, if it's the right for you to adopt a puppy, great. But if if everybody in the world stopped, yes. if all the yes. kind of responsible dog owners said, we're only going to adopt puppy farms, the people who don't put their research in are going to be buying from puppy, you know, people yeah. are going to be buying from puppy farms and not suitable breeders. Yeah. And I think we really have to work at, yes. at educating people so that puppy mills don't make yeah. money. Yeah. Irresponsible breeders don't make money. So it becomes, you know, not a profitable business. Yes, absolutely. You know, no good breeder is going to make money from their puppies. And yeah. we need to make sure that that's... Yeah. They do it for the love, don't mm. they? The ones who, who are good. Yeah. In fact, I'm having this trouble. I'm writing an article now about, um, teacup people who, who breed and sell teacup puppies. I, I have a real problem with calling them breeders. They are not breeders. To me, a breeder is someone who knows about the breed, who is, um, knowledgeable, who, who has done their research, is doing it for the love of the breed, not the love of the money. And, and wants to stay in touch. You know, there's so many things and they want to look after that puppy. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be there with that, and, in case that puppy needs them for life. Health tested dogs exactly, that are yeah. bred and dogs with good temperaments yeah. and there's so much that goes into yeah, it, you know? Yeah. And as you say, they don't make money out no. of it. It's not a business for them. You know, the time they put into it, the, the health testing that goes on, the veterinary treatment, the, um, emotional investment oh, yeah, into it, you yeah. know, as well. Yeah. It's, you know, you, I mean, and, and I'm like just looking at a mischief lying on the floor there. And, you know, Nikki, who bred her, is lovely. She's isn't, amazing. Isn't she? Yeah. And we, and we walked out of a breeders who didn't do, and I say breeders in inverted mm-hmm. commas there, um, who didn't do the health testing and said, oh, I don't, we don't need it and we can, we yeah. can tell their health. And you think, no, you really can't. And we um, walked out, didn't we? Yeah. And I remember we met a dog, um, in our, one of our local parks. Yes. Um, no, we met an owner, sorry, and she came up and she said, where did you get her from? Um, and we said, where we got her from? And she said, oh, I went to a breeder. And we worked out that the breeder that she went to was the one we had rejected and walked out of. Yeah. And she said that her dog had heart problems mm. and so many different health yeah. issues yeah. that may have come from yeah. the bad breeding. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important because you're there and there's fluffy, Again, lovely yeah. little dogs. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, does it matter? You know, yeah, does and of course it, it does. You know, yeah, it just, yeah. it's and not worth it. That's not sort of crowing and going, oh, we know how to find no, a good breeder no. at all. Not at all. That is, we are heartbroken. Mm. I nearly swore that, but we are heartbroken for the dogs and the yeah. puppies. And to be honest, the owners mm. who, who are caught up in this cycle of yeah. the bad breeding, for want of a better word, you know, I will not call them breeders though. Um, but the people who are producing these, Badly produced mm-hmm. puppies. Um, it's heartbreaking for the puppies, for the dogs who are just used and bred from yeah. a bed again and again and again. And, and the people who miss, you know, are misled and, and buy them. It's just, it's heartbreaking. We have to find the answer. We have to stop it. And I do believe that if people knew the, you know, the, the whole background and the breeding processes and breeding practices that went into it and everything. I do believe they would make the right decision. So we have to keep putting the, the information out there. And, and I'd, I'd really like to know, actually, I'm, I'm guessing that most people listening to this are dog people yeah. and have hopefully put a lot more research, but I'd love to know how many, how much time if you yeah. tweet or 
Insta or anything, how much time you spent researching before you got a dog? Because I think I, both times I've, we've, and, and not both, uh, every time we've yeah. got a dog, it's been about a year of yeah. research yeah. and waiting for the right breeder or, you know, searching for the right place. Yeah. So yeah, I'd really like to know how long. I mean, I can, to, and to be absolutely honest, I can remember when we, we were dogless, we didn't have a dog mm. and we were trying to get, choose the right breed and choose the right breeder, you know, and I can honestly remember crying and thinking it shouldn't be this hard. Mm. And, and I'm not saying everybody should go through that process. I'm not saying everybody should get to the, the point of crying, but no. it isn't easy. It's mm. not an easy process, but then what is easy? And when, yeah, when, doing. when I was getting mischief, yeah. I, I was looking for the right breed and then we find the right, right breed and then we were looking for the right reader. And it felt like everybody in the world was getting a yes. puppy, not me. And I remember saying that, just going, everybody's getting a puppy except for me. And I'm trying to do it the right way. And I still have no puppy, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult, but it's, oh, it is. it's worth it, is. it when you get the right dog. Cause you're, yeah. you're going to have that dog hopefully years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. You know, that's going to be your best mate. Yeah. So it's a family member that you, you're going to love and remember yeah. for, you know, you need to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We could go on about mm-hmm. this all day, couldn't we? But let's let's move on. As we sit here, we're in Easter week. Easter's coming up quickly. Um, as you sit there listening to this, it may be after Easter. <laughs> it probably will be. But anyway, there'll be another Easter, hopefully, fingers crossed. After 2020. <laughs> no, after 2020, all bets are off. I thought, I thought our guys were supposed to be positive. <laughs> Sorry. Happy. If there's another Easter, yeah. should there be? Should the world rotate again and we get around to another? No, yes, yeah, whatever, whatever the, the physical process. Anyway, I digress rather. Anyway, if there's another Easter, um, there's be more chocolate, and that's a good thing. There be more chocolate. There be more chocolate. Oh, I get late there. Chocolate. There be more chocolate. So, but so chocolate is is important. There's always chocolate, but although we love it, and it's and it's well, it's not terribly good for us, but it's um, it makes you feel good. It's very, very bad for dogs and and other cats. Uh, sorry, other, other pets. I think it's bad for cats mm. and, and a lot of other animals. So basically, I won't dwell on this story because there's there's lots of um, we've got to move on and to another story. But basically, keep your chocolate. Keep your chocolate for you. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> this is chocolate. Keep keep it for you. I'll well, share it with your people, but you know, keep it for humans. Um, I wouldn't share it with you people either. <laughs> no, we'll keep Safest our to ourselves. Just to eat it as soon as you get it. Yeah. As soon as it's in your solved. hands, yep. jam it in your yeah. mouth. <laughs> also, um, hot cross buns and things like that have got raisins in. Yeah. And they are incredibly toxic for dogs. Because with chocolate, it's to do with like the size of the dog mm. and how much chocolate. But with raisins and grapes, it can be like, it doesn't matter what size they are, one could... Yeah, particularly raisins because they're, they're sort of dehydrated and they're really concentrated, aren't they? So... I mean, basically. They're gross anyway. Just well, don't, you don't, don't like buy them. raisins. <laughs> you heard this from Dogcast Radio first. Don't buy raisins. Yep. Just don't buy them. Well, there's another thing you can tweet <laughs> us about. Do you like raisins or not? You know, what's your favourite Eastern treat? I'm not dangerous. Who would have a raisin as their favourite <laughs> well, Easter treat? Okay, no, but things containing raisins. Some people might. Some people might say, don't buy me chocolate, buy me raisins. That's not me saying that. I, you know, you know I, me by now. I, I like just, the odd curly worthy. I like very, you know, quite a few curly ones. But there you go. I'd so, like to say this with love to whoever is listening that would prefer raisins over chocolate. I'm sorry, but you're a weirdo. <laughs> like, you do you, that's fine. But yeah, but... I want you to know, you're a weirdo. <laughs> so, whether it's chocolate... <laughs> we'll move on, we'll move on. Sorry 
for insulting this you all. This is going to get cut out. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not sure we will. I'm going to leave it just to just to show them what I'm working with. But <laughs> whatever your chocolate treat is, sorry, whatever your Easter treat is, whether it's chocolates or raisins or chocolate covered raisins or whatever it is, that's that's the double double whammy for dogs, isn't it? Chocolate covered raisins. Oh. oh my goodness. Keep it away from your your dogs and your your other pets. Eat it quickly or put it in a Tupperware container. Buy them their own. Dog-friendly yes, yeah. chocolate so Easter egg and hide it around the house, give them a little yeah, Easter egg hunt. Absolutely, a bit of mental enrichment. So, um, yeah, but keep them safe. So let's stay safe out there. Speaking of food that isn't safe for dogs, yes. something I didn't realise um, that was in the news very recently, um, this couple had a has a puppy um, and they left some uncooked pizza dough um, hmm. that they were preparing um, where the puppy got it and the puppy had to be rushed to the vet after eating it. Um, I didn't realise that uncooked, I didn't realise that uncooked pizza dough was so no. dangerous, but apparently pizza dough can, when the dogs eat it, it expands very rapidly and it can, yeah. it can cause blockages and oh. all sorts of bad. And it can ferment in their stomachs and cause alcohol poisoning. Wow. Um, so it's, incredibly dangerous to dogs i had no idea i would have thought like oh it might not be very good it might not be very good for them no but you know not not that bad no i i it can be fatal it can be really bad Um, and luckily their puppy they took it to the vet and it's absolutely fine um and they're trying to help other people yes you know share the knowledge yeah Absolutely. Because, of course, you have to let the dough rise. Mm. So you can't... I was, I was going to say, you know, cook it quickly and eat it quickly. But, of course, you have to let it... I know there's a, a, a stage that you have to let it rise. But I, I guess... I mean, we... Uh, not to boast here, but we make our own bread. Oh, yes, a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the machine does most of the making. I just put the stuff in there. But we have to let it... Uh, that was the point I was making, that we have to let it rise. But we always put it in the oven. With the oven off. But we put yeah. it in the oven to let it rise. So that, you know, I... Well, I guess just to keep it safe, I don't away know from, why. Yeah. All away from Missy and any dog hairs floating around. Yeah, cats. So we always do that stage in the oven. But yes, that's a, that's a gosh, particularly during lockdown when we're yeah, all making everyone's making banana yeah. bread and yeah. oh, I want banana bread now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, what an informative <laughs> episode of the Dogcast Radio News this has been. <laughs> and um, if if you spot a news story that you think would be good, whether it's um. A happy one or, well, hopefully a happy one. But, you know, if you, if it's a, a vital piece of news that you think people mm. should be informed about, then uh, get in touch. You know where we are. We're at Dogcast Radio on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and wherever. Well, with this um, Julie at Dogcast Radio. Soon to be TikTok. Oh, soon to be TikTok. Well, yep. there you go. Yeah, get in touch and we would love to help share that story. And I'd like to apologise for any offence I caused to the raisin-loving community. Yeah, we're, nev- we're never going to get sponsorship from a, a raisin firm now. Who, who, what, who, what raisin company would What's want ca- to sponsor? A dog. A dog? That would be cruel. That wouldn't be very nice. Well, no, but they might want to sponsor it and sort of say, don't don't give our product to dogs. Well, like, a, a pest yeah. control company wouldn't sponsor, like, a mouse well, show. Well, I don't, you know... Well, I was going to say Tom and Jerry, but they probably would. That was a bad example. <laughs> things happen, things happen. I mean, a raisin company might want to sponsor us with the, t- you know, the, the tagline, if you like, Eat it up quickly before your dog gets to it. Eat our raisins. They're so good you want to eat them. But I would argue you just don't buy them at all. Anyway, yes. We, we I, digress. I would like to apologise for the raisin-loving community for any offence I've caused. Yeah. You weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear.
dear. And stop, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this time. See you next time. Bye. Did you know that activities requiring mental energy can be just as tiring for your dog as physical exercise? When you're having problems, having a dog beside you can make all the difference, can't it? Dogs are a force for good, and Kate Lever is definitely of that opinion, because her latest book is called Good Dog. It explores a variety of ways that dogs make life good for us, and as you'll hear, Kate's own dog makes life better for her. First of all, let's talk about a good dog, because you've got Bert, haven't you? So let's talk about your lovely dog. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, entirely subjectively speaking, I would say the best dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I have a, well, I say Shih Tzu, but I'm pretty sure he's Shih Tzu crossed with something else because every time we see a Shih Tzu at the park, he does not look like a purebred. Uh, yeah. His name is Bert, uh, Bertie sometimes, depending yeah. on our mood. Uh, and, you know, in fancy situations or if he's in trouble, any kind of longer version of Bert. So Robert, Herbert, Albert, Bertrand, <laughs> Gilbert, anything you like, anything we can come up with on the spot. Oh. Uh, he is, I think he's about three and a half now. And we yeah. got him, my partner and I got him from Battersea in Old Windsor in 2018, oh. uh, actually on... I th- I th- it wouldn't have been a leap year. My boyfriend's birthday is on the le- on a leap year, but I don't think it was a leap year in 2018. So it must have been on the 20th of February. Um, it was a snowy day. It's actually the last time, apart from recently this year, uh, that it snowed in London. Oh. And, yeah, we went and picked him up from Old Windsor. Basically, I had wanted to get a dog for quite some time, but just because I cannot be without one for too long yeah. in my life. Um, and I had rescued back when I was in Sydney, I had rescued, uh, a Shih Tzu, an elderly Shih Tzu called Natasha, who I renamed Lady Fluffington, who I had with a a previous partner and she had passed away a few years ago. And, um, she, you know, obviously, well, first of all, I didn't know if I had room in my heart for another dog because she was the first dog I had as, as an adult outside of, you know, having a family dog growing up. And I just loved her with all my heart. Um, and then my lovely mom reminded me that my grandma is the only, who is the only other person that has ever loved dogs in the same kind of obsessive, fierce, uh, just passionate way that I do. Um, and the book is dedicated to her. Oh, uh, um, she said, you know, remember your grandma because she had this dog when I was little and, and he passed away and then she found it in her heart to love the, the next dog even more. Um, and so, but anyway, the, the point of that story is that because of Lady Fluffington, I just became obsessed with Shih Tzus. I just, or yeah. Shih Tzus cross Maltese or Lhasa Apps or whatever it may be, Shih Tzu cross anything uh, has just a very powerful effect on me. I find them to be the maximum uh, cuteness. Yes, they are very, very cute. (laughs) (laughs) So I was basically scouring all of the rescue websites in the UK for a Shih Tzu. And I had it in my head that I wanted to get another elderly Shih Tzu because I really believe in rescuing dogs who've been hanging around for a little while. And I think a lot of people uh, tend not to go for the older ones. Um, and then as it happened, I came across this Shih Tzu called Mungo at the time in Battersea, Old Windsor, who ended up being renamed Bert. Um, 
and he was only nine months old and I was like, oh, no, we can't, we can't get a puppy, we can't get a puppy. But I just, I think partly the loveliness of his little face and the little photos they had on his website and partly I think whether I acknowledged it at the time or not, selfishly I wanted more time with my next dog. You know, I only had six years with Lady Fluffington and they were six. I was really confident and proud that we gave her you know, the last six years of her life were really special and she yeah. was safe and loved. Um, but like, I just I just don't know if I could do it again in six years to lose another dog. So the idea of a puppy just got me in that moment and I thought, you know what, he's going to be around for a really long time hopefully. So yeah. let's do that. And I, um, this, I tell this story in the book, uh, but I went a little bit mad. My boyfriend was working late. And I was at home alone on a Friday night and I found these pictures of Mungo on the Battersea website and I sent, apparently sent him 63 messages in a two hour period um, (laughs) in which I got, I got all the pictures of this dog online and put little captions on them in text saying, why won't you love me, Jono? And please come and get me, Jono, who's obviously my partner's name. Um, and then by the time he got home later that night, I had printed out loads of A4 pictures of the dog and put them under his pillow and in our bed sheets and taped them inside the bathroom cabinet. Um, so I really had sort of lost my mind with my campaign to get this particular dog. I just knew, I just knew it's something about his little, his little face and the little pictures of him that, you know, I don't believe in a lot of different types of fate, but I think I sort of believed in dog fate. Oh, I am so glad that you were able to get him because I don't know what you would have done if you didn't get him, if that was your oh. reaction. Wow. Well, we sort of got a, li- we got a little bit of a taste of what I would have done if we didn't get him because there was actually a bit of a false alarm because uh, with rescues, as I'm sure you know, you put in a request to sort of reserve the dog before you go and meet them and see if you're an appropriate match. And um, I did that by email yeah. late on Friday night and so just planned to turn up for opening time on Saturday morning. Um, in the meantime, another family had called through that morning and said, we want to come and see Mungo, which is oh no, yeah, its former name. And so by the time we got there, I said, uh, you know, we went to the receptionist and I said, hey, we're here to say, see Mungo. And she was like, no, you're not. There's another oh. family coming to see him tomorrow. And I was like, what I was like we emailed we emailed and she and she just like sort of casually said well I haven't checked the email yet and so and I was like you look at that email receipt it says I sent it last night (laughs) and I was distraught and we you know we live in London and Old Windsor is I think two trains and a bus away um and so we'd sort of come, you know, with this huge anticipation building while we're on these different forms of public transport. And I was just ready to bring him home. And then, you know, Aww. he's been promised to another family, thankfully. And I I believe that he knew he had to come home with us. He um he met the family and the family already had a pre-existing dog. And uh Bert said, No, thank you, I do not like this dog. Um and they did not get on, so the family decided not to take him home, which is incredibly fortuitous because I actually only had about 24 hours in which to grieve before I get 
got the phone call saying, do you still want this dog? And I was, yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> so we went, you know, slander. Yeah. yeah. It was actually not his first home. He'd already, he'd been given a couple of homes and returned back to Battersea because he was like too spirited or too much of a puppy. And I'm like, who are these? Like, with no disrespect to his former very temporary owners, but what are you thinking? If you get a rescue dog, if you get any dog, you have to be patient and let them find their way and love them until they feel safe yeah. with you. And, you know, it, it did take a while, to be honest. He's now, you know, a flawless animal yeah. and the best housemate yeah. ever, but it took a while to get there and I think you just <laughs> got to be patient. So yeah. I'm glad he's with us. Oh, bless. I'm glad he's with you too. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think he knew you need things to write about and he gave you that amazing oh, yeah. story. I mean, that's when they make one of your books into a film, that is going to be amazing. <laughs> that's an amazing start. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. But that, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, that's a great, great point as well. That whether it's a rescue dog or, or a, you know, you've got a puppy or, or an ex breeder or whatever you've got, it doesn't happen like that. It, it's not. No. You have to work to get that relationship with that with that dog. And, and strange enough, my daughter and I were saying the other day that puppies are, are lovely. I'm hopefully <laughs> waiting for a puppy at some point, but. The puppy is is charming and, and it's playful and it, and it's hellish as well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, it is because we need to say that and people need to know having a puppy is lovely and it's wonderful. But my goodness, it's hard work. And there are times you'll go, "Why did I do this?" You know. Oh my god, that's what. Yeah. It's like. And it's the dog, the adult dog that you get from all that work and love. That's that's what you get a dog for, isn't it? Well, you know, I'm not a mother to human children, but you are. So I expect you could see some parallels with yes. having human children. You know, there's a lot of work you put in with the nappy changing and the sleepless nights and all of that to get the the grown up human being yes. that you then get to have a more sort of peaceful relationship with, you Absolutely. know, fingers crossed. Um, but, you know, Bert, I would say probably took about three or four months to settle into being well behaved and happy you know he weed on our sofa every time we you know left him alone um, which he is like quite well house trained so I think it was a process I think it was a decision it wasn't that he didn't know he just he decided like Anyway, he also used to bite me quite hard um, once on the nipple, which was very unpleasant. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he never bit my partner, so he, he, he identified very early on who the soft touch was <laughs> in, the, in the household. But funny enough, actually, uh, we learnt that if you make a little yelping noise, if they hurt, they learn because they don't want to hurt you. He didn't want to hurt me. He just didn't know his own strength. And I think, you know, without having another puppy to play with, a, you know, a brother or a sister, he was just playing with me and he didn't know he was hurting me. So I sort of, I'm not going to, you know, reenact it now, but make a little yelping puppy noise. Um, and he really just learned and absolutely stopped doing it. And, to that, you know, to this day, if he wants to play, he will, like, very tenderly close his teeth around my fingers, kind of, like, looking at me like, is this okay? Yes. <laughs> We're yeah. just playing. Uh, he also used to howl through the night for quite a while because he sort of, I guess, didn't know that he was here to stay and worried about different noises and so, yeah, I mean, it, it took time, but now he is so in tune with our schedules and our general 
mood. And I think, I mean, you know, I've done some research on this and dogs are very receptive to the type of energy you have as human beings, as a family and as a household. Mm. And my partner and I, you know, despite the fact that I um, have mental health issues, are very quite, a very calm people, you know, we're gentle natured, calm people. And he has, I think, picked up on that and mirrors it back to us. Um, apart from if there's a fox or a cat in the garden, obviously, and then that all goes out the window. (laughs) But that's the same of me with my own, you know, human equivalence to uh, a fox and a cat. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's probably not, not many people in the UK or around the world possibly who, who don't identify with that that particularly after lockdown where dogs have just saved us and buoyed our moods up and given us something oh, yeah. to smile about and you know I I several times like in, in particularly early on in lockdown I was sort of thinking oh my goodness I don't know what I'd do without the dog I just because in so many ways you know she just made life bearable and it's just so amazing so I mean so I think we're all aware now that dogs re- really really help our, our our mood our emotional mood mm. but oh, yeah. but for you that that's a real issue isn't it and Bert has definitely helped you with that yeah absolutely so I um I have depression I also deal with anxiety issues and I've had other things um throughout my life um and I discovered you know with the previous dog I had with Bert's uh predecessor mm. that they can be these wonderful <sighs> mood boosts as company and provide such joy and solace um, during difficult times. Uh, Since we had Bert, um, I had a depressive episode basically because I had to switch over some antidepressant medication. And anyone who's ever done that in their life will know that it can be a very difficult transition. Uh, I had to come off one medication and stay off medication altogether for a couple of weeks. and then start a new one. And that can be a really rough, lonely, confusing time because there, yeah. there are physical withdrawal symptoms as well, um, as well as any possible side effects that come from the new one. And, you know, the absence of any support from antidepressants for a few weeks is, yeah. is quite frightening. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was incredibly grateful to have Bert at that time because he really, you know, like my, uh, my boyfriend obviously had to go to work yeah. Monday to Friday but Bert had no such professional obligations. So he really just took the round the clock, you know, care shift. And he, you know, whether it was my bed or whether I was kind of brave enough to get vertical and get up and make the pilgrimage to the sofa, um, (laughs) he just basically stayed by my side. And usually he'll sort of move around and go about his own business and quite often have, you know, I, I call it Bert time where he just stays on his own somewhere separate to us. He's not a very, um, he loves to know what we're doing, but he's not, he doesn't have separation anxiety at yes, all. Yeah. Uh, but when I was unwell and every time I've been unwell since, he just glues himself like a pilot switch to me. And if I was lying down, he would, he would assume one of several positions. He would either lie across my chest, yeah. sometimes my neck, which is a little bit much, but actually, funnily enough, that's how, what um, a lot of therapy and emotional support dogs are trained to do because it, the pressure on your heart and across here, across your chest, can be very comforting and soothing, particularly when you feel anxious or sad. So 
um, he sort of just had this instinct to do that, which I thought was beautiful. Otherwise, he would sort of just put his head on my shoulder and lay out the length of his body along mine, like as tightly into my side as possible, or occasionally curl up in a ball and put his little head on my my knee. Um, But, yeah, he basically didn't leave my side. And I, I can't tell you what a difference that makes. I've had other times um, during my life where I spent a lot of time alone at home and the loneliness kind of exacerbates the sadness that is already yeah. there yeah. and having him there, just the warm little body reminding me, uh, you know, that life is worth living was really helpful. Yeah. And not to mention I also had to take him out for a walk every day, which yes. I would not, I promise you I would not have done were it not for him Yes, yeah. you know, uh, I have a very strong instinct to hibernate when I'm sad mm. and just having to go out the front door, put on clothes and shoes and walk to the park and around the park, you know, slowly but b- with fresh air, proximity to green and trees and being able to see the blue of the sky or probably more accurately because I was in London, the grey of the sky, <laughs> um, you know, it made it made a huge difference to my day and just yeah. being able to move my body was really therapeutic. So, um, yeah, when I came to write, this is my second book. I wrote a book about friendship a few years ago and I was planning what my next book would be about and I, I sort of, I was saying to my partner I wanted it to be something something I care about, something I know about, but also something that I'm willing to talk about for the next few years because that's yes. the way book publicity <laughs> book publicity works. Uh, and he said, well, like, what about Bert? You don't care about anything more than you care about Bert. And I sort of laughed but then realised that I think there is a story in that, and there is because now there's a book coming out. Uh, but, I, yeah, I just I looked into some of the science and research behind Bert's reaction to my depression. So, you know, I asked canine behavioural experts around the world whether he is capable of empathy and sympathy and whether he's worried because of my body language when I'm depressed or whether perhaps he can smell stress hormones that I'm emitting when I'm um, in distress Uh, and sort of just looked more into this lovely capacity that dogs have for looking after us when we feel like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had, I mean, I I don't have clinical depression, but, um, and I think that's important to say, you know, I I can get really, really very, very sad, but it's not, it it isn't clinical depression. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not to trivial. Oh, no, absolutely, yeah. um, But you do have times, we all have times when you're very, very low and, and, you know, and the times when, when I've had a dog lying with me, they're just this little being that's entirely on your side. And they'll say, oh, we're going here now. We're going to the bathroom. Okay, I'll come with you. Oh, we're going to the kitchen. We're getting a cup of coffee. Okay, I'll come with you. We're going to sit there. Right, I'll cuddle with you. Whatever you want to do. There's no, well, I'm a bit busy now. It's just they're entirely with you. And Something as you were describing, Bert, that that sounded you could have been describing mischief because she's so. Um, and I think you know, obviously, a lot of dogs have this sort of in tuneness with us and and just are there with us. And and mischief will 
she will take herself off a little bit. She she loves the love and she gets too hot then and she, she'll mm. go and lie somewhere else or she'll lie by you. But if, if anybody is crying, she will suddenly, yeah. she'll go, oh, oh my goodness. So she's, there's this background sort of, yeah, I'm with you. But if you do show acute distress, she will immediately kind of go, oh, oh, oh yeah. you know, walk up your chest like, what are you doing? What's the matter? She'll be licking tears off your face. Um, oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that, so that's fascinating. So, I mean, because you know to 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 me that's that's empathy that's a, that's there's no there's nothing in that for her there's no I'm not going to get treats for her I'm not I'm sitting there just being yeah. miserable so for her to come and take that interest what's the motivation there so what were you told about that then well there's a really interesting study um that was done a number of years ago I mean I I can't remember the names of the academics right now but a really lovely study that basically tried to test whether dogs have the capacity to feel empathy not just for their own breed but also for others and essentially you know they did a lot of fancy scientific things to make sure that it was a legitimate experiment but they basically brought in a series of different dogs put them in a room and played them a soundtrack of different noises some of which were neutral like a river flowing or the rustling of trees others were negative or positive So, for instance, the distressed sound of a dog whimpering, uh, a human woman crying, um, and then also human laughter and the sound of a happy dog. And basically, judging by the the sounds each dog made as well as their body language, because as we know, there are quite clear signs when a dog is either in distress or happy, you know, to do with the movement of their legs, the positioning of their ears, their breathing, the noises they make, whether they put their tail between their legs, all that sort of thing. Basically, they respond, they become very distressed when they hear either a dog or a person in distress. Um, And similarly, the excitement is contagious as well and they seemed quite pleased when they heard that either a person or a dog was showing signs of being happy and that like might seem like an obvious thing to us as human beings because we are so impressionable in terms of other people's moods being contagious to us you know someone's facial expression or their general disposition or body language can be very infectious to us, especially if we care about someone. You know, there's plenty of evidence that if someone we care about yawns, we yawn immediately because it's a sign of like wanting to be connected with someone. But if you think about it, there aren't a lot of animals, unless we're projecting our own human behavior onto them, there aren't a lot of animals who necessarily feel that empathy towards us. So it's actually quite extraordinary that dogs react in that quite human way to feel the same way as the person or dog making that distressed or happy noise. So basically these researchers concluded that, yes, dogs are capable of a sort of perhaps a primitive kind of empathy because I think uh, dogs basically have the intelligence and therefore perhaps the emotional intelligence of a toddler, a human toddler, a sort of two- or three-year-old. So it makes sense that maybe they're empathy isn't like you know really sophisticated in the sense that they're thinking about why we might be feeling a a certain way or anything like that but they do know when a person is sad and they know how to respond and most dogs you know they just want to be there and offer their support um and and I think that's you know testimony to what lovely gentle kind creatures most of them are yeah yeah 
it's as you were saying that I was I was thinking um particularly my my Labrador would he he would sort of he, he would come and put his chin and be like why are you sad you know and yeah and, yeah there's no fear with the dog they're just like oh you're sad what what can I do and they're there for you but equally he was attracted to laughter if you laughed he'd know you were and he'd be like oh good things are going to happen okay in quite different ways his body language would be very different you know a bit slower and a bit silent kind of with the with the the being upset and a bit more whoa you know animated with the so with the uh, the laughter so he'd be very in tune but want to be involved and I think sometimes which there are sometimes reasons you know when when you say to somebody oh do, do you want a hug or do you what do you want do you want me to go away what do you you know and as you, that's obviously got a, a place but you can't just always barge over and go I'm going to hug you whether you want to or yeah. not. <laughs> but um we sometimes think oh well I'll, I'll keep my distance because oh yeah absolutely I, I think people do that too often to be honest yeah, yeah. particularly I've, I've noticed with people who are grieving yeah. I think the human instinct often is to, I think perhaps instinct is the wrong word because I think this might be a learned behaviour, but we tend to walk away from people who are grieving because yeah. grief is messy and we don't know how to deal with it and we don't know how to sit in how bad it can be. You can't fix grief. Yeah. You can be there. Same same with depression. There's a lot of people um, have this, this feeling like they want to make that person better immediately. And if they can't, they just disappear or walk away. Um, so, you know, in my book about friendship and, again, in this book about dogs, I always encourage people to go against that feeling like they should respect someone's space and walk towards that person, even if it's to text and say, are you up for a chat now? But, yeah, dogs dogs don't don't have that. They haven't learned that they need to leave someone alone when they're grieving or sad. They just see someone sad and most of them move towards them to offer their help but also it can be quite a relief not to have to talk about it as well I do you know I think communication is incredibly important and it's really helpful to have a therapist or a family member or a friend around to talk through any bad thing you know depression whether it's depression or as you say not even pathological sadness just the sadness of being human Um, but it can be quite a relief to have someone who just puts their little snout on your shoulder and doesn't say, how are you feeling? How's your mood? Can you rank your sadness out of 10 for me? Or, yeah. you know, what's your relationship like with your parents? You know, they don't want to know anything. Yeah. They just want to be there. And that can be so soothing. Yeah. And often if somebody says, I'll come around and I'll sit with you, we'll watch a film or anything. Oh, I'm not good company at the moment. You never have to mm. say that to a dog. You, I'm not good. Oh, no. <laughs> the the no. dog's just like, no, you are. You are. I love you. Great <laughs> yeah. company, you know. And, and that's what you need, just that camaraderie just somebody being there it's and it's exactly such an uplifting thing a presence to have in your life and you know Mm. I I think it's a joyful thing you know even in the middle of that dreadful yeah there's joy The, the dog brings joy don't they oh I mean I will I will be in a state where I feel as though I can't remember what happiness feels like or the feeling of laughter in my body and he will do just something stupid like chase a ball and you know go face first into the into the door not hurt himself obviously that would be funny but just like a comical you know blooper type incident or he'll snore really stupidly or just do something so adorable that I just can't help myself and I find myself smiling or laughing and I'm like how did you do it (laughs) but just the you know the general goofiness of dogs can cut through that kind of feeling like you've lost all hope and it's, it's special oh yeah absolutely absolutely and I mean 
we know this we've we've lived with this we we know this joy in our lives and and that's a brilliant thing and i you know i i feel quite sorry for people that don't ever know that companionship of a, of a dog but mm. i mean obviously we're not on our own with that and and you have other stories of that in your book don't you yeah so i um I basically wanted to, over the course of 60,000 odd words, make the case for why dogs are so extraordinary and why our friendship with dogs is just the most special cross-species friendship on the planet. And, I, you know, I know cat people will have a lot of objections to that statement, but I don't think they're listening to your show, so I roll with it. <laughs> they, they, might, they might be, Kate, so they, they might be listening. Just, no, but I have, to, I have to say at this point, because Jenny's listening and my mm. daughter's listening. So, um, and she would she would actually really strongly say that she has see I for me it's like dogs and cats sorry I'm I, dogs are higher than cats I'm saying that um, yeah. to me I'm a I'm a dog person I love our cats but it's not oh, yeah. quite the same relationship whereas she she puts them on a par and she says no 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 oh, I get the same from the cats as dogs so uh, you know I have to say that for her she'll say why didn't you say that otherwise oh no um, go, but, go you for know. it you you do not want to be dealing with your daughter's wrath afterwards. I don't, oh, I don't. And, you, you, know, you must have met her. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I am only joking. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I know. Allergic, I'm allergic to cats, so I've never got close to a cat, but I do oh. appreciate that they are special and lovely. Yes. And I'm sure they provide all sorts of the same therapeutic benefits. Uh, but basically, you know, for my purposes, yes. I did set yes. out to make the case for dogs being oh, yeah, absolutely yeah and um so I just basically you know I'm a journalist I have been for years my instinct is to find other people's stories and tell them on their behalf um so I start in this book by telling my story of me and Bert and then getting some scientists and canine experts to back up my instincts about why dogs are so good and then I basically just did that a bunch of different times with other extraordinary dogs and the humans that they have helped or saved. Um, so I have some just beautiful stories, uh, most of whom are based in the UK, a couple in Australia, um, all of whom help either with physical or mental health issues. So, for instance, I have this beautiful dog called Maya oh. who um, helped her owner, um, well, stay alive basically she stopped him from killing himself twice he's a he's a war veteran and he has complex ptsd and she basically escorts him through life keeps him feeling safe keeps him feeling stable um there are a couple of people with ptsd um that i spoke to another remarkable woman called vanessa who has a border terrier called sir jack spraticus and uh sir jack uh, can fetch her medication, get her the landline to call emergency services, ah. and also do what I was talking about before where he lies across her body if she's having an anxiety attack. Oh. He can also unload the washing machine, but that's less of a yeah. mental health aid and more of just a great trick. Yes. <laughs> um, but I also spoke to a teenage girl called Katie who trained her border collie to be able to smell when she has high or low uh, blood sugar. She lives with diabetes. Wow. And her father says he thinks Pip, her dog, saves her life probably once a week. Wow. Um, so the dog has been trained to go and wake up Katie's parents if yeah. she's having a high or a low, wow. um, which she does all the time, which is just extraordinary. Um an incredible pug, a rescue pug who helps a young boy called Cody who would be 11 years old by now uh, with his autism. Um, he's probably the, the most ardent pug fan I've ever met. 
and he now has two pugs in his home since I met him. So double the pug love. <laughs> so just I think there are 10 stories overall, um, you know, a, a beautiful schnoodle who woke her, her favourite human up from a coma wow. uh, and now works in the same hospital uh, comforting and helping to rehabilitate stroke survivors so just some and also a dog who works in a court and a dog who works in a prison and a guide dog so just you know just very very good boys and girls uh, who help to either change or save the lives of the human beings they live with and you know it was the most beautiful research topic because I got to go and pat a lot of very good dogs (laughs) which is obviously a joy but I also got to hear some pretty extraordinary and moving stories from special human beings about how their canine companions have you know rescued them and in most cases apart from labradors who'd been you know bred specifically to go into a guide dog program or a therapy dog program in most cases the dogs I spoke to were rescue dogs and everyone kept saying you know I rescued him but really he rescued me um which you know I know to be true of Bert so it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I, I got to experience, you know, see firsthand some of the beautiful, extraordinary work that some organisations do. You know, a, a special mention um, would go to an organisation called Assistance Dogs Northern Ireland. Hmm. I went to Northern Ireland and this wonderful woman called Geraldine picked me up, had me stay in her home Um and she trains uh, therapy dogs to go into families of, with uh, kids who have autism, but also things like she trained a dog who now works in a medium security prison in Belfast, I think it was, uh, Jingles, who I met, and she trained a dog um, and placed a dog called Echo in a in a primary school, a special needs primary school, and that dog now helps the children read and learn and do their homework. Aww. So, you know, it's just the generosity and kindness and wonderful work that someone like that does, Um, you know. I I mean, you should look them up. It's called ADNI, Assistance Dogs Northern Ireland. They have a Facebook page and Instagram. I think they're running the, you know, they run fundraisers here and and there because it's very difficult to get funding um, ongoing, particularly through a global pandemic for an organisation like that. But really, you know, I was speaking to her the other day and really those therapy dogs and a lot of the dogs that I spoke to for the book are frontline workers at the moment with a lot of the kind of medical assistance um, and emotional support they're giving people who are really vulnerable, not to mention the fact that they're now looking into whether dogs can smell COVID and help diagnose yes yeah now that's amazing I mean I, I think we have to fight COVID with with as many <laughs> tools as we've got yeah yeah are definitely one of those strategies aren't they yeah well there's I mean there's I, I write about this in the book there's some extraordinary science of how dogs can can detect things like malaria different types of cancer Parkinson's disease they they currently dogs are more reliable in finding uh testicular cancer I think it was uh than any other test that we have available to us in the medical care system so it's like I think people sort of think oh yeah great get a dog to come and sniff something as serious as COVID I think I'll have the swab thanks (laughs) but actually like imagine if we could if they were you know incredibly accurate and a lot of I think with malaria I think a lot of dogs have something like a 95 percent accuracy Um, right. So if we, I mean, it's a much less invasive, I'm not saying replace, you Mm. know, 
swab tests and stuff like that. So imagine if, you know, you were dealing with having to test children regularly or at an airport or at a school yeah. or a hospital, you know, if you wanted to have a preliminary test that wasn't shoving something up someone's nose or other body part, having a dog test for COVID as a preliminary measure could be absolutely life-changing and also yeah. less traumatising, you know, just love, not that it's too traumatising. I've had two two COVID tests and it is doable. So if you do have symptoms, everyone should go and do it. But wouldn't it be nice if we could just see a dog instead? <laughs> oh, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're just amazing. It's the way they can smell things, the way they can detect things. For example, when they started with the, the, the dogs for, for people with diabetes, mm. they started off, I know, that the dog would, would indicate a problem. And they test it with the machinery and go, there's no problem. And then within 15 minutes, there was a problem and the dog would yeah. get it before the, the machinery. And, and it's just, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's just remarkable. There's another uh, dog organization, which I cannot remember the name of at the top of my head, but basically uh, there was a woman, I think she was in some way, she, she had breast cancer basically. Yeah. And her dog would not leave that part of her body alone, was yeah. just smelling, behaving like there was something wrong and it actually prompted her to go and get a test and she went to her doctor and I don't think she necessarily led with my dog won't leave me alone therefore I thought I'd get a test but she went and got it out got it tested and found out she had breast cancer and was able to treat it in a timely manner Uh, so she now runs an organization to do with dogs who are able to do that because it was literally life-saving for her she had no symptoms she had no idea that anything was wrong at all and it was truly her dog's insistence I mean that dog was basically saying please go and go to the hospital (laughs) yeah I need you I need you to feed me and cuddle me go and get go and get help (laughs) absolutely I mean it's 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 amazing they're just the ways that they can help us and the roles they can take on for us and the fact that they want to do it and as you say the fact that sometimes it's it's even a natural behavior it's not even trained in them that's incredible that they know they've got somehow they can understand okay this is a problem I need to tell you about it that you know I can understand that we can we can with with great training we can channel that and we can we can put a command uh, um, prompt you know cue yeah yeah but to do that naturally wow I mean that's it's just mind blown isn't it oh it is I mean it is I have always suspected that dogs were more emotionally intelligent and gifted than we acknowledge or talk about but it was just a joy to research it and prove that I was correct (laughs) you know like broadly speaking most dogs once they have been put into a loving safe home just have an instinct to want to help and to care and also you know I I I always say we would do so well to be more like our dogs. They, they, I, you know, there's no creature that lives more in the present. They, they don't, you know, worry about something bad they said seven years ago. And, you know, they don't plan for the future, except maybe that they might want another nap a little bit later, or perhaps <laughs> they might go and, you know, scour the kitchen floor to see if there's any crumbs or pieces of cheese left over for them. They just live in the moment and they also have the best expectations of people. They yeah. live with hope and positivity and optimism, whether they're hoping for a treat or hoping for a walk or hoping for a pat. You know, my dog 
walks along beside us at, at the park and stops to look up at each person expecting to be patted and appreciated, uh, you know, firstly because it is his due and he deserves to be appreciated by every person who comes in his path, but also because he just thinks well of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's such a very lovely quality and something I think we forget to do a lot of the time. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and, and it always amazes me that rescue dogs will will give people another chance. They don't kind of go, no, you let me down once, you're on your own. It's just okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get and and they do it, and they open their hearts to us again and again, and it's just incredible because we, you know, some of us don't deserve it. Well, you and I do, <laughs> but you know, yeah, we do, we do. As a species, <laughs> um, yeah, oh, we yeah, treat them the best, do we? Oh yeah, I mean, Bert. I didn't include this when I was telling you earlier about getting Bert, but Bert was confiscated from a hoarder um, with several other Shih Tzus because someone, I don't know any personal details about them, but someone was hoarding dogs along with other belongings and, you know, keeping them in a not fit for purpose home and not feeding them or grooming them. And they were in a real state, had all sorts of medical issues. He had a really bad skin infection, matted fur, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, the angels at Battersea Old Windsor fixed him up gave him the right medication, gave him the the sort of interim care and love that he needed. Mm. And then when he came into our life, as I said, I don't think he trusted us straight away, but all we've done is really show him love and patience and give, you know, meet his basic needs yeah. and give him a safe, loving home with attention and company um, and exercise and stimulation and all of that sort of stuff. And he's absolutely willing to believe in human beings again, not yeah. just us. You know, obviously we're not having visitors anymore and we haven't in quite a while because of the global pandemic and lockdown. But whenever, you know, in the normal times pre-COVID, whenever we had anyone over to our home, he greets them like a long-lost cousin or royalty. You know, to come back from being mistreated for the first almost year of your life um, and, you know, he he had to fight for his food and he had instincts to gobble his food for quite a lot because he, you know, didn't know when the next meal was coming from. But, you know, now that he's used to the fact that he can get breakfast and dinner and treats in between whenever yeah. he wants it you know water is always available and a soft surface to curl up on and go to sleep and human infection he is fully willing to think the absolute best of human beings and that's yeah. you know you're absolutely right that that willingness to trust even after you've been hurt is just so lovely and yeah. you know a lot of people online um a lot of dog lovers say, you know, we don't deserve dogs. And in a lot of ways, as a race, as a species, yes. we don't. But yeah. here we are with them as our closest friends and it's just so lovely and we're so lucky. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you say he 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 approaches passersby or he looks at passersby expecting the best, and that gives them such a good feeling to go away with. I can remember with Buddy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've heard people meet Buddy and, and, and everybody was his friend. He just loved everybody. And they would walk away and often say that dog really liked me and I yeah. always I never you know it wasn't anything personal and, and I never said that you know I never said well it's nothing personal <laughs> don't be too flattered because well yeah know, exactly he, he loved everybody you know and that's that's an amazing because like you say you meet some people and you think well I, yeah, I really clicked with you but I'm not so keen on you whereas he just yeah. indiscriminately like just I love you you're great oh next up, yeah I love you you're and that <laughs> that's amazing that's such a force for good it's so sweet it's so lovely it's a lovely 
it's just a lovely quality, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like, you know, if if Bert was a human being and approaching all human beings as if they were well, I'm sure someone would take advantage of him. But as yeah. it is, he just gets them, you know, the most pats that he can get away with receiving and that yeah. can be no bad thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've, I've, I've told this story before, but when, because we had Buddy and Star, Star was a Bichon Frise with mine, was Jenny's dog. And we met these two little girls one day, just walking along the road. And um, and the one went, can I say hello to your dog? She was uh, maybe six, very little. Can I say hello to your dog? So, um, and we went, yes. And before we could say anything, she squatted down and she just took Star's face in her hands and oh. sort of went right up to her. And actually, they just, it was beautiful. And they actually just yeah, sat down the community. Gorgeous. But I said to her afterwards, darling, please You can't do that. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, don't. And I, I tried to explain, and I said that, that was great. You asked us, but don't, please don't do that to another dog. And I tried to explain yeah. about let them sniff you and you know have a bit of distance. But it was it was beautiful. But I worried for that little girl because not oh, every yeah. dog, you know, that's quite a, an aggressive thing not in every, some ways. To, exactly. Yeah. Yes. But you know, but they're amazing, and um, and thankfully that worked out. But they just to see that was beautiful because there is there is a magic between humans and dogs you can't get away from it to me oh, yeah. it's magic isn't it yeah and you know particularly with little human beings um we don't have children but when we take Bert to the to the park he gravitates towards little people I guess because they're closer to the ground little toddlers will come and pat him and, and sometimes it's incredibly sweet yeah. Some, yeah. sometimes kids are scared of him but my sister recently had a baby and uh, my niece would be sort of seven or eight months now and for the first few months of her life when she was very very small Bert just had this instinct to protect and guard her and she would be you know in a bouncer on the ground or in a pram or wherever she was and she would be asleep or just sort of you know looking around as very newborn babies do and he would just sit between her and the rest of the world and not move. And he just knew that she was small and precious and to be cared for. And he never got in her face or licked her or anything. You know, he just sat beside her and said, like, this is a small baby who must be protected. I will take on the job. (laughs) And I just thought that was just just another, just another gorgeous instinct that they have, that they, yeah, they, they recognize us as companions, but also when we're small, and to be honest, when we're you know fully grown, that we need yeah. to be careful sometimes, and that they're they're willing to do the job. Yeah, I mean, you you couldn't ask for more in life. I don't think they're brilliant, but I'm aware that time is is, is passing. So, mm-hmm. um, tell us the name of the book again, please. The name of the book is Good Dog. Yeah. It has a green background with a beautiful golden dog on it. Um, if you flip it over, you will see me and Bert. Bert had to be, you know, given back cover status. He's apparently not conventionally handsome enough to be front oh, wow. cover material. <laughs> but, yeah, it's called Good Dog uh, Good by dog. Kate Lee. Excellent. And um, is it, what would you like? Because we've talked about it a lot, but, I mean, we could talk all day. <laughs> we know that. But is there anything else that you'd like to sort of single out and say that, that we haven't had a chance yet? Yes. The only thing I would reiterate that I think I brought up a little bit is just for people to please, please, please consider rescuing dogs. You know, I've been quite shocked just in my own social circles over the last year throughout lockdown. You know, I think it's a lovely instinct that people have wanted to get dogs. But a lot of people I know have been ordering them from breeders and getting very new, fresh puppies, which is gorgeous. And I never hold it against the puppy because they're so beautiful. But 
you know, that just, it just like, it's just so sad to me that I think a lot of people, a lot of good people as well, just don't know how important it is to rescue dogs, you know, adopt, don't shop, going to places like Battersea, going to places like Dogs Trust, but also a lot of local places. There are a lot of very small operations that happen locally. You know, one of my neighbours is trying to rehome a dog at the moment. There are so many opportunities for dogs who need homes to be given homes. And it's just such a gorgeous thing to do. But also, you know, I think a lot of people don't realise that paying a breeder to give you a puppy, even if they look beautiful and perfect and pedigree, it just perpetuates in the industry that can be really dangerous and unpleasant. Um, and has a lot of problems. So I guess that would just be, I just love to have a little opportunity to say, please, please, please look at some dog rescues, but also don't do it lightly. You know, I read the other day that nearly 2000 dogs have been returned in the last couple of months because so many people didn't realize what a commitment is to have a dog and thought, you know, I'm working from home for a while through the pandemic, maybe I'll get a dog. And then they haven't realized that they need to be walked and cared for and fed and taken to the vet and all of that. So, you know, lovely to get a dog want everyone who wants to have a dog to have a dog because obviously I understand how beautiful they are but also it's a huge commitment dogs are for life not for Christmas or a birthday or a holiday or a pandemic dogs are for you know as long as possible and as long as we can be with them yeah absolutely I was gonna say definitely not just for lockdown I think before you get when when life goes back to normal or near normal whatever whenever that may be (laughs) yeah you've got to have um, time for that dog okay yeah so where can people find out more about you online? I have a website, which is just katelever.com. So that's K-A-T-E-L-E-A-V-E-R.com. Um, I'm Kate I Lever on Twitter and Instagram. Bert has his own Instagram, which is at little Bertie the dog, uh, where, yeah, you know, most days I upload an incredibly cute picture of him and then spend a weird amount of time trying to come up with a caption on his behalf. (laughs) So those, you know, my writing is all over the internet, but if you just Google my name or go to my website, you can find out more. Heartwarming, isn't it? I really enjoyed chatting to Kate. And excitingly, Jenny, Mischief and I attended Kate's book launch via the magic of Zoom, of course. Jenny, you fell in love with this book too, didn't you? (laughs) I did. But yes, I did. As soon as we'd gone to the book launch, I ordered it and I got 30 pages in and I'd already cried twice oh. because she just understands like what it feels like when you love your dog so much. Yeah. That feeling, she somehow manages to put it into words and there's so many, I, I'm still, I'm still partway through, <laughs> but it's just, it's so good and there's so many stories in there and science to back up, Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, effect that dogs have on us and it's just it's so nice yeah it, I, I love that because yes we all anecdotally know and and the dog did this and the dog was thinking this and you know all the dogs said this as you always say I said about Buddy and, and he said to me um and we kind of feel that but when the science backs you up that's yeah. just that's an incredible feeling isn't it you go yes I knew that I knew <laughs> sometimes I read like experiments or you know scientific things mm. uh, where they go oh it's been proven that dogs whatever and I'm like is that not just like general knowledge yeah. like you had to do an experiment to find no. that out but like it is nice when you can go see yeah. it's not just me it's science you do think where are they getting their funding from because I'd like a bit of that <laughs> get your qualification then we'll get some funding for lots of silly experiments but that we know jolly well are true <laughs> we know, yes yes we've, we've proved that I don't know 
dogs like biscuits or something. <laughs> That's not really the kind of thing they're doing, okay. is it? I mean, it could be. Well, maybe they're not doing it. There's a niche. You see, there's an opening for us there. What would be the benefit of proving that dogs like biscuits? Well, it's motivation, isn't it? Motivation for, who? for the dog. But is we the dog use biscuits? Not yes, all dogs but is like. There, is not, it backed up with science? Not all dogs. Well, like then we biscuits. need to know that. How many don't? And where, what position is their tail and tongue in when they don't like the biscuit? <laughs> you see, this is what we need to know. I've enjoyed this episode and I've certainly enjoyed having more company this episode. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Jenny, for being with me. That's all we have time for. The sun is shining in Shropshire. I hope it's shining on you too. And until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why should you never buy a dog from a pet shop? I can think of many reasons why you should never buy a dog from a pet shop, Jen, but I don't think they're going to be the punchline of this joke. I don't think so, because the punchline is, they always come with the offer, buy one dog, get one flea.